Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Well, for so many folks, uh, first of all, uh, hello, welcome to uh, Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. And for so many folks, early January is the low point of the year. And does that include you? Well, of course, for those of us in the northern U.S. and Canada, a lot of the negative attitude has to do with the weather. January is the coldest month of the year, and it's often accompanied by one or more major snowstorms. But there's also the issue of post-holiday letdown, maybe for the entire month of November and December, perhaps even beginning as early as Halloween, We've been bombarded with ways to spend time and money in preparation for Christmas or Hanukkah. And then between Christmas and New Year's, we spend uh, a bunch of time thinking about uh, all the great things we're going to do during the new year. And then sadly for most of us, the actual holidays themselves probably are anticlimactic. Christmas Day and New Year's Eve don't deliver the joy and high spirits that we'd uh, been conditioned to expect, and now the joyful expectations for the new year are being tested day in and day out by the harsh realities of routine daily living. And guess what? Actual circumstances for you in 2020 aren't really that different from what they were in 2019, are they? So how many of your New Year's resolutions have you already abandoned, postponed, or simply forgotten about? And my guest today, psychotherapist Dr. Donna Marks, is here to explain why the holiday season for so many has become an addiction, an annual event almost certain to leave you let down and unfulfilled. And more importantly, she's here to suggest how you and I can overcome the post-holiday letdown and rewire our programming with something that can replace regret over uh, post-holiday debt, weight gain, and disappointments uh, with lasting fond memories and a uniformly positive attitude on today and tomorrow, along with a plan of action to make um, to help make sure that good things happen. And before I introduce her, here are Dr. Mark's accomplishments. She's a licensed psychotherapist and addiction counselor in Palm Beach, Florida, who for more than 30 years has helped thousands break patterns of addiction by reclaiming their minds and learning how to choose love over fear. And she's author of several books, a consultant, public speaker, and educator with a stated mission to save at least 10 million lives through education and prevention by 2030. And... Uh, her latest book to be released in uh, just a couple of weeks, Exit the Maze, One Addiction, One Cause, One Cure. And hello, Dr. Marks. Happy New Year, and welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Happy New Year to you, and thank you so much for having me on your show and for that lovely introduction. 
Well, in your uh, in the art in an article on your website, you advise that Christmas, New Year, holiday season can become just another addiction. In your opinion, how does this addiction occur? What brings it on, and what adverse impact does it have upon our lives? Well, I think the first thing we need to understand is the definition of addiction. In my opinion is doing uh, something again and again and continuing to get a negative result, a negative yeah. consequence. Yeah, so every year... pretty foolish, isn't it? <laughs> right. You know, a, an addiction tells us something wonderful is going to happen, and it does for a moment, but then suddenly it becomes just another, you know, letdown. Yeah. So if we keep doing that same thing, uh, the holidays are no different. We begin to feel that we you know, have this great expectation and we get that high just like any other addiction and then we have that terrible consequence of debt, hangovers, disappointment. This, you know, people aren't doing what I want them to do. This isn't happening like I wanted it to happen and then there's that depression. And like yeah, it's all about me, what I wanted to happen and people aren't doing exactly what I wanted them to do. That could be part <laughs> I, I, of I it. think it's fascinating. What, what do you say that addictions are a substitute for? <laughs> well, in my opinion, all addictions are a substitute for self-love. Yeah. So in my in my book, when I say there's one addiction, it's uh, I call the addiction like a drug-seeking device, and the drug can be anything that will satisfy you know filling that hole that we that those uh, people who are addicted, those of us who have addiction. You know, it'll go anywhere. It'll seek anything like a vacuum cleaner. Plug into this, plug into this, plug into this. And the holidays is a great great way to plug into all of that at once. Yeah. Shopping, food, spending, drinking. Yeah. <laughs> and then all the consequences that follow. Well, uh, what are some of the negative impacts on our lives from holiday addiction, both before the holidays and then in January during our post-holiday uh, letdown? What are some of the most startling uh, or disappointing uh, negative impacts that they have? I mean, you, well, you I mentioned think the, I think the two, yeah, the two most prevalent are, are going to be death and, and, of course, not feeling well from eating and drinking too much. Yeah, yeah. Almost <laughs> all hospitalizations year-round, not just during the holidays, yeah. are either substance or food-related illnesses. And if you think about that, that's really staggering. That means if we didn't have food disorders or addictions and substance addictions, the hospitals would be almost empty. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> yeah, I think you estimate like 100 million Americans are addicted. Uh, How did you come up with that estimate? <laughs> that's really That's a very, yeah, that's a very uh, conservative estimate. I went oh. on... I went I went on the internet and researched uh, just about 15 addictions, going from uh, pornography, sex addiction, uh, codependency, uh, alcohol addiction, nicotine addiction, video gaming addiction, and I didn't, you know, there's hundreds of addictions, but just in the few that I researched and I outlined in my book, uh, there was 100 million people just in the U.S. alone. Addiction to the internet and those video games. I see kids at uh, dinner out uh, in restaurants for their families, their eyes glued to their uh, <laughs> cell phones, their yes. smartphones, not paying any attention to the parents well, or the other Well, you know, kids. that's the saddest thing ever. Uh, just the other day I was in a restaurant, 
and um, it was a it was a lovely place. Windows everywhere, fresh, delicious food. It was one of these organic, health healthy food places. Yeah. And a family, you know, family cared enough to bring their children in there. Well, actually, they have a little boy and a little tiny baby. Mm. And um, you know, they're trying to teach their children, child, obviously, good nutrition and all. But everybody, uh, well, the little the Hopefully little child who was about two or three years. <laughs> Yeah, well, the two or three year old child wasn't on on the phone, but the parents were on their phones the entire meal while the child just sitting there, you know, looking around and doing yeah. nothing but eating. It was so sad. Yeah. You know, mealtime is a time to interact and connect with family members, and it was just so sad to see this little boy sitting there looking so lost. While the well, it's parents too were late on to rescue phone. this uh, Christmas, but let's talk a little bit about. Uh, some solutions to ensure a more merry, stress-free holiday experience next year. What do we need to do to have the best holiday season ever, or at very least a Christmas, New Year's, or Hanukkah we can look back upon with fond memories? What are a few things we can do to prevent that uh, disaster next year? <laughs> Addiction. <laughs> I think the most important thing is to refocus our attention to having love in the holiday rather than what are we going to give and what are we going to receive. Yeah, don't uh, so, you don't have to give a whole bunch of real expensive gifts to no, demonstrate that no, love. Not, I mean, you can ask 10 people what means more to you, a store-bought item or something that somebody made. Yeah. You know, when someone makes a little item or bakes a, a something, and it's it, it doesn't cost nearly as much, but it's a gift of your heart. And people really enjoy those things. Uh, you know, they, they use, and people still do, but to, to call someone who's sick or see someone sick or, or make a list of people you haven't talked to for a while and just call to wish them a happy holiday, that can mean so much. Um, but your, your closest family member is to spend time with them. Like this family, they were spending time together, but it wasn't like connecting. So really spend time with your family and connecting with them without it being focusing on shopping, food, drinking, and all that. Just time together. Yeah. Showing love to each other. Yeah, the gift of time is probably the best thing that any of us have to offer, and that's really yes. not just spending physical time with people, but actually connecting with them. <laughs> right. Away it means having phone. a looking in their eye, having a a face to face conversation, asking about the person, how they feel, what's going on, what's happening in their life. It's so important. Well, let's concentrate but instead, on that. Instead, people yeah. are saying they're too busy to give that time, but they're, what they're busy <laughs> doing is shopping. Yeah. They're shopping and working. Yeah. You know, or working, the preparing house for guests or exactly. <laughs> Planning menus. Exactly. <laughs> right. Well, let's concentrate right. on today. Can you offer any suggestions for those of us that are afflicted with the post-holiday, mid-winter depression blahs, perhaps even depression, now that we've returned to our normal day-to-day -day routine, parenting, job, uh, community, church, and social obligations? How do we get through normal time, as they call it? Or uh, there's something we can do to... Uh, Liven up uh, our outlook in January. Absolutely. So the first thing is to, with the most important thing of all, is if you feel like you messed up, forgive yourself. It's really important yeah. not to hang on to that because that day is gone, and today is a yeah. different day, 
And one of the things that I really try to help people embrace is that every moment of every day is a gift. Yeah. So if you're alive, you have every reason to be joyous, even if you screwed up, even if you have a bill that you're going to take forever to have to pay. You know, you can get in the solution of how to do that and how to stop the spending, which could be an addiction and often is. Yeah. And uh, be and and look around, just around you, even though you may be homebound because of the weather or you may feel down because of you know all of this. To, to focus on what you are grateful for because every day is that time to, to share and receive joy and love. Yeah. And then well, to reach out beyond yourself and the same thing you would do with what I would say during the holidays. You know, call a friend, yeah. uh, read a book that's been sitting on your shelf for the past 10 years that you've forgotten you <laughs> want to read and you think about it when you're not at home. Yeah. You know, build a little fire, light a candle, have a cup of tea, these are all things you can do in the cold. It's easy for me to say down here in sunny Palm Beach, but I actually did. I actually did live in in Goose Bay, Labrador, for four years, so I oh, understand wow. dark, snowy, cold, gloomy weather. What a difference! <laughs> there, yes, yes, there is. But there, but the but the kindling and the warmth comes from within. Well, uh, let's move on to uh, freedom from addiction at any time of the year. The title of your March 2019 book is Learn, Grow, and Forgive. And I would presume these are the three steps uh, you uh, promote on the path to freedom from bondage to any addiction. And if we may, I would very like to briefly address each one of the three steps in turn. The first step is to learn, and in seeking freedom from addiction and a positive outlook on the future, you tell us to uh, focus upon past fears, causes of potent, uh, personal failures, and self-destruction. What do you mean from focusing on the? Uh, what do we learn from focusing on the negatives? Seems like that's the last thing we want to do. Right. I, I and I understand uh, what you're saying, but it's not necessarily to focus on the negatives. The point is to focus on what caused us to start doing things that aren't yeah. good for us. Yeah, look so for the causes, not just uh, Right. Right. Uh, and never to blame. You know, some people say, I don't wanna I don't wanna talk about what happened. I don't wanna talk about my family. I don't wanna talk about my parents. You know, they did the best they could. I love them, they love me. Of course they did the best they could. Yeah. And for you know, even if they weren't good parents, they if there were reasons they weren't good parents so um, we don't ever want to blame. It's never about blaming. But at the same time, if we don't explore how that um, problem began, then we can't fully yeah. understand it. If we don't understand it, we can never grieve it. If we don't grieve it, we can never heal it. Yeah, that's, that's So cool. that's the first thing is to, to learn what happened. Yeah. To learn what happened, to face that. Not to blame, but to just face it and understand it. Well, you, then you tell us the second of three steps is to grow. But in order to accomplish growth, you tell us to dismiss former dysfunctional guides like anger and guilt. And why are anger and guilt so counterproductive? And uh, how do we dismiss them? And what emotions do you suggest we replace them with? <laughs> well, I, I I am a student and a teacher of A Course in Miracles for over 30 years. Oh. And when I say we dismiss these dysfunctional guides, what I'm trying to help people to learn is that we have uh, an inner guide which comes from love, and then we yeah. have a, a guide also that comes from fear. And so yeah. the the 
the guides of guilt and anger really aren't real. Someone can feel guilty, but it doesn't stop them from doing the very thing that makes them feel guilty. No. The same voice that tells you, go go drink this, go spend that money, go go tell that person off, is the same voice that makes you wrong the minute you do it. So it's a, it's a, it's a guide that's dysfunctional. It keeps you going around in a circle, you know, like a dog chasing its tail, and you get nowhere. So I say, let's look at the fear that's underneath the anger and guilt. Then you can get. Then you can start learning how to replace that fear with with love. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Well, your third and final step to freedom from bondage is to forgive. And why is it so important that we forgive someone, maybe even a person who intended to harm us, if we want to gain a complete freedom from bondage? Is it only natural and okay to continue to harbor hard feelings against someone who intentionally hurt us maybe long ago, so long as these hard feelings in no way impact a positive outlook going forward? What's what's the problem? Why is it necessary we forgive? Well, I'm not saying that it's necessary. I'm saying that if someone wants to be happy and to enjoy their life, if they're carrying around resentments, like I say in the book, it's like carrying around a 100-pound bag of potatoes. Like you get up in the morning, you've got to lug that around with you. You've got to lug it to the bathroom. You've got to lug it to the shower. You've got to lug it to work. Try making love with someone with a 100-pound you know, sack of potatoes. Try combing your hair. Try getting in your car. I mean, that's baggage that you're carrying around all the time. So it's not necessary to get rid of it. It just doesn't serve any yeah, purpose. Yeah, and furthermore, it, and doesn't, then, it doesn't harm the person you're mad at. It only harms yourself and your own attitude. Right. Well, and the real, real core issue, which I did not know in psychology or did not learn in school, but I did learn it in The Courts of Miracles, is that when I haven't forgiven somebody else, I really haven't forgiven myself. Even if some perpetrator hurt me as a child, that little girl blamed herself for that. What did I do to cause this to happen? Yeah, that's a good So point. forgiveness is releasing ourselves, not yeah. the other person. Well, you state the intended destination of the three-step process, learn, grow, and forgive, is spiritual success. And is this spirituality, as you define it, simply between an individual and God? And is spirituality possible only for believers in one of the world's great religions? Or can an agnostic or a non-believer also become spiritual? Well, um, so many people are hung up on religion and spirituality, and I, I can understand why, because religion has been force-fed to many people, and some people have used it as an addiction to feel okay, and it doesn't. It's sometimes, I mean, true spirituality, you do feel okay. So what I try to convey is let's just call, you know, rather than talking about who's right and whose God is right and all that, let's talk about love. That's what the great masters have taught us to do yeah. is to love one another and love ourselves. Yeah. So the book, Learn, Grow, Forgive, helps you to remove the barriers to loving yourself. And when you can love yourself, you can truly love others. And when you're, then you can be open to your own spirituality and sharing and receiving love is yeah, the ultimate so, so, spirituality. Uh, people recognize the... Uh the true significance of the statement of Jesus, love your neighbor as yourself, and they always right. forget the as yourself part. <laughs> because right. Because you can't really <laughs> give love unless you love yourself. And respect exactly. Yourself. 
Exactly. And when I've worked with people, one of the things I've noticed is sometimes people are very spiritual, but they're very stuck. Or they're um, very loving, but they're not spiritual. So there's a that gap is where the healing needs to take place. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, for the past 30 years, you've successfully educated and inspired folks on overcoming their addictions. Uh, but you personally have uh, triumphed over tremendous challenges yourself. Please describe the difficult circumstances you faced as a teenager and young adult, and what happened that inspired you to change your entire attitude and uh, uh, while a single parent to obtain both college and doctorate degrees and launch your successful uh, psychotherapy practice and helping others break free. Uh, what, what inspired you to make that tremendously positive change in your life? Well, it's it, it was a process, and there's been some curves in the road along the way. But I've, I I have been determined to you know you know get around those curves and get to the other side. But the 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 greatest thing is when I was very young because I had a lot of pain being raised in a um, very uh, painful environment that had alcoholism and uh, verbal uh, abuse, physical and sexual abuse um, in it. Uh, very little I said. You know, I, I I started praying to something, and um, I, I was able to get some conscious messages like, uh, you know, this is not your fault, this person is sick, yeah. um, which, you know, at five years old, getting that kind of internal message was pretty amazing. Um, but, uh, you know, that voice carried me for quite a while, but as the, as the, you know, the teens came upon me, and uh, we all know that when we turn into different people when we're teenagers. Yeah. And um, I started my, my own addictions became activated, and um, I wound up getting uh, doing a lot of alcohol and, um, and getting married very young, having a baby, being divorced by the time I was 18, and, and uh, I dropped out of high school to do all this. But there was something inside of me that said, you, know, you, can, you can do better than this. So yeah, that, that inspired me. That's, that's wonderful. Exactly, exactly. So and that voice has carried me. Those circumstances just give up and uh, become permanent alcohol addicts or something or really yeah. kind of drop out of success. But you yeah. refuse to let that uh, deter you. Yeah, it has overcome me at times, but never for long because I I am connected and and my life now is completely devoted to this and and there's just you know there's just nothing outside of me that has the appeal to me because I feel full of love and that and that uh, hole that the addiction fills just isn't it's just not there anymore. Oh, that's I, wonderful. I, I'm full of I'm full of self love and and caring for myself and others. And having a purpose and meaning in life, and it's been quite a journey. There's <laughs> there's been so many things that have happened, and yeah. I've survived a lot of tragedy, a lot of uh, disappointments. But you know, to be able to make all of that into enriching experiences to help other people um, yeah, which has been the gift. Because usually, when someone comes into my office, there isn't much that they've been through that I cannot relate to personally. And that you know, having Having when you go through something that that's painful that someone's describing, I don't have to tell them I've been through it, but they can sense that there's um, something between us that yeah. 
That, isn't present when some the best yeah, teacher yeah. obviously is someone who's uh, experienced the same type of problems themselves and will overcome them. So I can see that. Well, let's talk briefly about your soon-to-be-released book, Exit the Maze, One Addiction, One Cause, One Cure. What's the significance of the title, and what is the maze, and uh, do you contend that each addiction has only one cause and only one cure? Uh, how How did you get that title? So that came about as a result of my working in the field for so many years, and uh, diagnosing a patient with um, an addiction, referring them to treatment. Um, rarely does someone stay sober, um, or they get sober, and then they just start doing something else. And so, um, and my own recovery as well. I mean, I went from, um, you know, I, I quit drinking, uh, and, and then I quit smoking, and then, you know, I noticed I was eating a lot of sugar, so I quit that. And then I wanted to eat, so I, I, I started exercising and doing long-distance bicycling and then marathon running, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And I never really put it together. The maze really is addiction together. you're talking about, right? Yes, yes. And there's one addiction. It's the invisible hole. It's that hole that creates this, I call it a drug-seeking device. You know, it wants to, it's like a vacuum cleaner that wants, it's a vacuum that wants to suck on to anything that will yeah. fill that hole. It could be, you know, excitement, it could be video games, it could be sugar, it could be, you know, anything that's going to give you the hit. Okay? It could be the so Christmas, that's why the I upcoming Christmas holiday. Yes, right? <laughs> yes, the excitement of that, yes. Yeah. And so I, what I'm saying in the book is there's only one addiction. It's that invisible hole that's constantly trying to get filled. Yeah, and when will your book be available? It's going to be available uh, by definitely by the end of the month. Um, we we get we just received our endorsements, and so it's in the final print. The endorsement page. The book is in print, but the endorsement page is being added, and it will be available for Amazon within two weeks. Okay, so that's by the end of January. People should be able to find it. And uh, oh, definitely, Amazon, probably the best place to go or uh, yes, find definitely. It? Okay, yeah. and if there was one message you would like a reader to take away from your book, what would it be? Uh, that rather than uh, seeking for things that are destroying your um, the the beauty of your soul and your mind and your body, learn how to love yourself instead. Yeah, that's that's certainly a message everyone can use. Well, tell us a bit about your counseling services. Do you treat people only face-to-face in beautiful Palm Beach, or can they obtain counseling online, or uh, how, how do they go about uh, getting advice from you? Well, I, I do have uh, many people that I um, work with that are either phone sessions or um, video sessions. Okay. Um, my practice is pretty full, so um, I would suggest people, you know, buy a copy of the book and read yeah. that if they can't get an appointment with me, but I do have uh, openings from time to time, mm-hmm. and um, I'm also going to be doing some more public speaking and workshops, so they could always go into my website, www.drdonnamarks.com, yeah, and, and find DR out more Donna about Marks, that. right? You don't spell Dr. Correct. Out. It's DR right. Donna Marks. Yeah. Yes, dot com. Okay, fine. Well, in conclusion, if there's one time of the year when you and I are most likely to fall into a dull, uninspiring routine, it's in the dead of winter, shortly after the Christmas-New Year's holiday season, 
And the uh, reason that, as my guest, uh, Dr. Donna Marks points out, has become an addiction this season um, of holidays. And but as Dr. Mark also explains, each one of us can overcome any blockage that is holding us back from the positive, joyful, goal-oriented life each one of us was created to leave, uh, to lead. And uh, for a guide and counselor, who is better suited to leave us to a brighter tomorrow than Dr. Donna Marks, a remarkable professional who rose from high school dropout and a single mom at 18 to become a prolific author, educator, a psychotherapist, and addiction counselor with 30-plus years of helping folks like you and me overcome life's challenges. And I'm sure you'll agree the best teachers are folks who have conquered major life challenges themselves. And when it's available, I highly recommend you preview and purchase Dr. Marks' latest book, Exit the Maze, as soon as it's available. And you also might check out her March 2019 book, available right now, Love, Learn, Grow, and Forgive. And that's <laughs> the three steps you need to take, we all need to take, uh, to overcome an addiction. And thank you so much, Dr. Donna Marks, for your inspiring message today. Uh, it's been wonderful being on your show. Thank you. And best of success with your brand new book and all and all that you do. Uh, let's reach that ten million goal that you have by 2030. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for helping me do that. Before we close today's program, I'd like to talk about a problem that plagues so many of us at middle age. I guess at any age, and that's the ability. Uh, so many nights to get a good night's sleep. And I, I, I don't know about you, but I have terrible uncertain nights when my mind simply won't shut down and let me get to sleep, get that uh, peaceful night's rest we all need and deserve. And in May 2017, in a Mayo Clinic health letter, I came across 10 tips to better sleep, and I'd like to share those with you uh, today before we go. Uh, Mayo uh, tells us there may be, uh, you may not be able to control all the factors that interfere with your sleep, but you can adopt habits and encur- that encourage better sleep. And here's the first one, and I'd certainly second this one, forego naps. For some naps can make it more difficult to fall asleep at night. They tell us if you can't get by without a nap, uh, limit it to no more than 30 minutes. And I'd like to add, watch out for those early evening naps. I I find that if I fall asleep uh, after around uh, 6 o'clock, I'm definitely going to have trouble sleeping later that night. Their second uh, instruction is to check your medications. Talk to your doctor or pharmacist to see if any of the prescription medications you're taking may be contributing to your insomnia. Also check the labels of non-prescription products uh, to see if they contain caffeine or any other stimulants. The third tip, exercise and stay active. Activity helps promote a good night's sleep. Get at least 30 minutes of moderate exercise each day. Of course, they tell you to do that anyway at Mayo. (laughs) But make sure you do so a few hours before bedtime. And I can second that. If you exercise vigorously right before you go to sleep, it's pretty uh, tough to uh, calm down and get the rest you need. 
So get that exercise at least by the afternoon. And here's another one I don't like <laughs> too much. This one, avoid or limit caffeine and alcohol. Uh, caffeine and alcohol can make it more difficult to achieve sound sleep. So make it a point not to have any caffeine after lunchtime. I generally try to do that, but uh, that one gets a little tough. And make it a um, Beware, uh, be aware that sources of caffeine other than coffee, there are sources of caffeine other than coffee, such as tea, some sodas, and chocolates. And uh, alcohol, I used to think that helped you get to sleep at night, but it does not contribute to a restful night's sleep, according to this report. And here's another uh, suggestion. Keep bedtime snacks small. Eating too much late in the evening can cause stomach upset and digestion problems that may keep you awake. And uh, too much fluid before bed, we all know that uh, what that causes. A lot of trips, wake-up calls during the night uh, to traips down the hall to the bathroom. And we certainly don't want that. Here's another good one. Relax before bed. Uh, try to put your worries and concerns aside. I know at times worries uh, surface throughout the night. Some of them aren't even real. Um, they, I just dream of a problem. But uh, address those worries earlier in the day so they don't keep you up at bedtime. And here's a strange one. Beware of electronics. The light from TVs, computers, and cell phones can disturb your sleep. So don't bring them into your bedroom. I know I have a big TV in, in my master in our master bedroom, and both of us like to watch it sometimes late in the evening. But we probably should stay away from, uh, <coughs> especially news programs that might disturb us with uh, national problems they talk about. <laughs> and I like this. They say reserve the bedroom for sleep and sex. That certainly sounds like a good idea. Another tip is stay on schedule. Keep your bedtime and wake time consistent from day to day. I know people like to sleep in on the weekends, but they tell you not to do that, including the weekends. You should get up at about the same time and go to sleep about the same time. And they tell us to hide our clocks. Now, I don't particularly want to hide. I like to have a clock right by the bed. And so if I wake up, I can see what time it is. But they tell you just to set an alarm clock so that you know when to get up. But avoid checking the time so that you don't worry about it and what time it is until you actually get up. Uh, I'll leave it to you whether you follow that suggestion or not. And here's the uh, final one, and I strongly endorse this one. Don't try to sleep. You ever uh, wake up during the night and say, you know, I've got an appointment important day tomorrow and I've got to get some sleep. I just must do it. And the more you uh, try to sleep, the harder it becomes to actually get to sleep. If you can't sleep, get out of bed and read or listen to some uh, soothing music and not late night television. And they tell us to do it in a different room. I don't know if that's necessary, but that's what they tell us anyway. And once you're feeling sleepy, return to your bed and turn off that <laughs> whatever you have on. Well, that's our program for today for our Roadmap to a Joyful and Productive Second Half of Life. Uh, I uh, Please uh, preview my book, 
A Midlife Challenge Wake Up by Roy C. Richards, and you'll find it at uh, Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com and through our website, MiddleAgeRenewal.com, and it's available both in printed and e-book format. And that's our program for today as we charge forward through life. May this new year be the best ever for you and your family and loved ones. And bye for now from Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com.